Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey. Our topic today is a biblical method that will help us move through challenging circumstances in a successful way. I'm going to share four simple steps you can use anytime something difficult comes up or something requiring a decision. And it's straight out of the Bible, Psalm 37. Whether we've ever thought about it or not, we all have a process we go through when something hard or painful comes up that causes us to go a new direction or make a decision. These four steps work equally well whether the circumstances are painful or not, but because there are some pretty big differences when pain is involved, I want to separate this out. Let's focus specifically on painful circumstances. Whether we've endured a natural disaster, lost a job, or might lose a job, lost a relationship due to death, divorce, a fallout, or a move. Whether we're facing a health crisis or a financial crisis, we are forced to respond in some manner. What do you do? Many of us talk things out with those we trust, seeking support and feedback. Some of us turn to our false idols and medications of choice, such as alcohol, food, drugs, prescription meds, pornography, sex, shopping, the internet, another person, and a thousand other things. Some of us pray and turn to God. Some of us become paralyzed and do nothing, allowing other people and circumstances to force our hand. Some of us gather all the facts first. Others grasp a direction without thinking at all. What is your process? Let's go to God's Word and see what He suggests. Psalm 37, verses 1 to 11 in the NIV says, Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more, though you look for them They will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. God has instructions, warnings, and promises. Let's look at the warnings first. What do we need to avoid? Three times he tells us not to fret. So that must be a pretty important thing to stay away from. Fretting is a form of worry, sort of like worry on steroids. 
When we're fretting, we're agonizing about it. We're thinking about it obsessively. It's affecting our mood, our sleep, possibly our appetite, making us fearful and distressed. Fretting is a form of anger. We're angry about our inability to control future events, which is why God warns us about being angry and full of wrath. Fretting and anger disturb our peace. They cause us to do sinful and regrettable things. We tend to bring even more harm to ourselves and to others when we allow anger and fret to take hold. That's why God says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. We probably need to really think that one through for a while. It's too easy to read the words or hear the words and say, yeah, 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 I get that. But do we really get that? Anger and fret lead to evil. They lead us to do evil things. They do not accomplish anything good, only bad. 35 years ago, I was in a difficult situation and let my fretting lead to a very bad decision, one that ultimately hurt me more and what's worse, hurt my kids. Their father had left us for another woman. I was terrified. My daughter was too, and I was pregnant. I didn't know how we would survive. I had no issue with getting a job and working, but I was about to have a baby. How was that going to work? Very quickly, I received a marriage proposal, and I jumped right in without thinking. It seemed to solve all my problems. Thirty-five years later, we are still suffering those consequences. I wish I had followed these four steps I'm about to cover. How much pain might it have saved all of us? We might feel like we're accomplishing something with our worry and wrath, but there is no power there. We delude ourselves. We're only making things worse. Worry and wrath cloud our judgment and block us from hearing God's voice, God's wisdom. When we do these things, we're standing in the place of God. We're acting as our own source of power, our own provider and protector. And the worst part of that is God is stepping out and letting us. We won't receive God's best if we're insisting on being in control. And really, we aren't controlling anything. It's an illusion because worry and fret are futile. So there are the warnings. Don't fret or indulge your anger because it leads to evil things. Let's get into the instructions now. In a nutshell, trust, commit, rest, and wait. Let's break it down. Trust always needs to be our starting point, and this is not some legalistic religious activity to make God happy. It's for our survival. Is to set our heart, mind, and will in a productive direction so the end result is good. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Want God's help? Trust him. I mean, what else are you going to do? Ask God to submit a proposal and see if you like it? Probably not. That would be rather disrespectful. Trust means you believe a number of things. 
that God knows more than you know, that God has the wisdom to take things in the right direction, that God has the power to execute the plan, that God is good, that he loves you and cares about you, that he will always do what is best for you. If any one of those is missing, you'll not be able to trust. You might be able to say the words, but they will be empty, powerless words because you won't be able to transfer the weight of your life onto God. So the process starts by putting your trust in God and acknowledging that he is the one you need. These four steps are progressive, not concurrent. So you've got to cross over the step of trust before you start on the next one. Commit. Once you've made the decision in your heart, mind, and will to trust God, then bring him on board as your CEO. Psalm 37, 5 to 6 said, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. If we commit ourselves to this direction, he will do this. It doesn't say he'll think about it. It doesn't say he might help us out if he isn't too busy. It says he will do it. God is on our side. He's for us and wants the best for us. Commit means obedience, and obedience means following the word of God. And we can't follow what we can't see. So we need to read the Bible in order to know what he says. A lot of life's answers are clearly spelled out in Scripture. If we'll just take the time to read it and follow it, commit to doing it. For example, if we're in a financial crisis, a commit step would include tithing. God says in Proverbs 3, 9 to 10, in the NIV, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. If we want God's blessing on our finances, we have to demonstrate that trust by tithing. Otherwise, we're hedging our bet. We're saying, I want your help, God, but I'm going to stay in control. That's not trust. Another example, we're in a relationship crisis. Say we've had a falling out with someone we love. God says in Ephesians 4.32 in the NIV to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Committing our way to the Lord means we act compassionately to the one who hurt us and we forgive them. That's the last thing we feel like doing, and God will never make us do it, but he will let us be miserable for a very long time if we choose not to forgive. God knows we struggle with the issue of justice and evil people getting what they deserve, but we don't need to worry because God has that covered. He says in verse 10 of Psalm 37, a little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. Let it go and let that be God's problem. If we aren't committing our way to the Lord by doing what he says, it means we still don't trust him. 
We've got to go back to step one and deal with the trust piece. Otherwise, we can't move forward. We'll stay stuck. Once we make it past step number one and number two, what's next? Rest. Now that we've done the right thing by obeying God, let's not mess it up by acting out and doing the wrong thing. Basically, after you've put your trust in God and done whatever he asked you to do, then back off. Don't ruin it by trying to manipulate the situation. Don't go back to your false idols. Don't self-medicate. Don't lash out at anyone. Instead, rest. You are like me. You do okay during the day. But at night, the fretting thoughts come back with a vengeance. When that happens, I pull out my secret weapons. Three scriptures. Isaiah 26.3 NIV. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, NIV. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, 1 Peter 5, 7. And I be cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I have them all memorized and I just cycle through them over and over until I fall asleep. It always works for me. I remember the night I found out one of our unmarried teenage kids was going to have a baby. I was inside out. I was a mess. It did not seem humanly possible to find peace At the onset of that crisis, I was disturbed to the marrow of my bones, yet I pulled out my weapons with my head on my pillow. I recited these verses for hours and eventually fell asleep. If you are prone to anxiety and fretting like I am, you'll need tools to keep yourself out of this dangerous territory. Find the tools that work for you and use them. After you've put your trust in the Lord, committed your way to him by obeying him, and stopped acting out, and instead rested, what's left? Wait. We are now in the perfect position to sit back and let God work. We're out of his way, obstacles of pride and doubt removed. The way has been cleared, and now God can do his thing. And he will. I promise. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I want to offer a word of caution here. Don't place expectations on God to work in a certain way or in a certain time frame. Being the one who is God means you know more, you understand more, you see more. Many times you will not be able to guess how God is going to work. Think about the Israelites the night they went to bed in the Sinai Desert with water on three sides and Pharaoh's army right behind them. Who went to bed that night thinking, oh, (laughs) I bet God will part the sea tomorrow and we will walk through the ocean on dry ground? No one. That can't be done. So we would never consider that. But God is not limited. 
Besides, our motivations are usually selfish. We just want to be comfortable again. But God is always going for a much higher good. And very often, (laughs) he won't do it on your schedule. At times, I've waited years to see an answer. And at times, I've seen God move faster than I ever wanted to go. He's a wild and crazy God. What can I say? He's not predictable as to time and course of action. However, he is entirely predictable as to faithfulness and reliability. We have many promises in our passage today to encourage us. In our Psalm 37 passage, he said, We will dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. He will give you the desires of your heart. He will do this. He will make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. The meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. That's an impressive lineup, if you ask me. God wants to bless us and for our life to be a blessing to others. And he will make this happen if we will simply choose to trust, commit, rest, and wait. All scripture is from the New King James Version, unless otherwise stated. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.